The Jarrow Crusade, the most iconic of the hunger marches of the 1930s. It began in the northeast of England. Today, almost a century later, a new form of food insecurity is back in the region. Most of us are aware that food insecurity is a serious and growing problem. But what we have now, thanks to the Trussell Trust, is a comprehensive picture of just how pervasive it is. One in seven households are affected. That's 11 million people. And here in the Northeast, the proportion affected is estimated to be one in four. And one group answering the call of those in need is Hospitality and Hope, a social supermarket in South Shields. Hello, Brian. Users pay four pounds and get around 20 items considered basic staples. So when I joined as chief executive in 2020, we supported 3,000 people. Um, this year, we're heading towards 10,000 people. This isn't a food bank. So a food bank, traditionally, you are really in crisis when you're picking the telephone up to a food bank. Um, people don't get to select the food in a food bank. The, the food's pre-packed. This is about a solution in the community for longer term food support. And we've seen a massive shift from single people um, and couples, uh, six in 10 of the people that we support today are families, 40% uh, are in employment. Next door, I met some of the locals benefiting from the shop. We're obviously in a cost of living crisis at the moment. We see all the headlines, but we want to talk about what it's like on, a, on an individual level. You're having to make choices. Do you pay for this or do you pay for that? Because if you're say, like on universal credit, you can't always pay for both. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so like, you, you make a choice between gas and electricity, <laughs> paying rent or feeding yourself. Have you experienced that? Well, in the past 18 months, the prices have getting nearly doubled in the shops. You know, and it's getting worse every week. It's hard for me because I've never been in this situation before. For recently widowed Barbara, adjusting to life alone and with stretched finances has been a challenge. And your personal circumstances, I presume you're on state pension? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you find that that just doesn't cover your bills then? No, it doesn't, no. No. Mm -hmm. so. As they've been going up and up, you just have less and less room. Mm -hmm. So, very rarely put lights on or heating on. I don't eat a lot now. Um, so you're eating less than you I'm were? I'm eating less, uh -huh. yeah, definitely. How, how much less? I mean, is it less than you're comfortable having? I mean, is it you feeling it in your health? Yeah, I do feel it in my, my health. It's a monthly survival. Um, I haven't to make huge choices, whether I pay bills, whether I buy food. Definitely the kind of food I'm buying's changed. There's no treats anymore. It's like surviving to eat. I reduce what I eat. So um, if it wasn't for the community shop, uh, probably be skipping meals on a daily basis. If friends are going out to a restaurant to celebrate a birthday, I have to really budget for that. I might have to starve for a couple of days, so I've got a little bit extra to be treat myself to um, just going out to do a celebration with the family. Do you feel like you're food insecure? I mean, it, it was got to the stage where I was eating once a day. I was eating on the tea time. You would have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or whatever your choice is at the dinner time to put you off. But you could only afford to eat once a day. But I went from 17 stone 
to 12 stone and it wasn't through dieting. Can you see better times ahead or? Oh, I think it's doom and gloom. I think one of the upsetting things for me is my grandchildren used to come and stay with me during the holidays. Um, but I've had to reduce that down because I can't afford to feed them. I can barely feed myself and I might feed extra mouths. Mm -hmm. Cutting down portion sizes or missing meals entirely was a common theme amongst this group in South Shields and it tallies with the bigger national picture. Helen Barnard is the policy director of the Trussell Trust, the charity which carried out this research. Food insecurity means that people are having to cut back on what they eat to skip meals because they cannot afford to buy food and other essentials. So food insecurity and hunger isn't to do with food at all, it's about income. So over the last five years, what we've seen is the level of need has more than doubled. It's gone up by 120% over that period to reach this record high of 3 million food parcels last year. For context, in 2018, 1.3 million food parcels were handed out. Over the last year, as Helen says, it's been 3 million, so more than doubling. If it's all about income, do people just need to be given larger incomes? Is that the silver bullet for this? So the key things we need to see, first of all, so the social security system, we want an essentials guarantee in legislation to say that universal credit will always cover essentials. And then the other issue we need to look at is actually work in the labour market. So about one in five people coming to our food banks are in a working household, but the work people are doing is low paid and it's insecure. So you're not getting a steady income week by week. So we need to improve security of work at the bottom end of the labour market. But just what levers has the government pulled to ease the financial burden on households? Jess Prestridge is the Deputy Policy Director at the Centre for Social Justice, a think tank set up by the former Conservative Minister, Ian Duncan-Smith. Government has intervened very significantly in this area um, to the tune of tens of billions, um, and that shouldn't be understated. Um, we've got the Household Support Fund, we've had the Energy Price Guarantee, um, Back in April, we saw uh, benefits rise in line with inflation, which on its own was an injection of over 11 billion into the welfare system. Um, we've also seen the national living wage increase. So collectively, this is a very significant intervention. But there is more that we would like to see government do. What I would say is we don't think that this is a problem that can be solved exclusively by reliance on the, on the benefit system itself. Um, the problem is, is, is vast and very complex. Around 13% of white people in the UK experience food insecurity, but among the ethnic minority population, it's around 24%. Dr Shabna Begum is the Director of Research at the Runnymede Trust. We have to think about income inequality. We are looking at um, persistent um, labour market inequalities where we've got black minority ethnic groups, some of whom have been in low paid, insecure work, and then if you add to that the kind of wealth inequality, the wealth assets that these communities often don't have, that exacerbates and compounds problem, right? So we've got um, uh, some groups who have such low levels of savings and wealth assets that when you have these kind of crises like COVID, like the cost of living crisis, they don't have the financial resilience to be able to kind of um, withstand some of the, the, the rising prices that we've all seen. But we can't all ignore the fact that we've got a social security system that is failing. I live in East London. I've seen the visible impact in my community of food bank queues on a Sunday morning um, and, and the racialised nature of that queue, actually. Um, so 
I don't think that it's a, a lack of knowledge or understanding of the scale of the problem. For, it can only be explained in terms of that there is no political care or interest in addressing it. Regardless of geographic region or social background, hunger at its essence is a stark and isolating reality for those forced to live with it. At the moment, I feel like I'm living a nightmare and I just need the powers that be, the government, to understand how difficult it's become for individual people. Um, yes, we get benefits and that's wonderful. Not everybody in this world does, but they're just not going anywhere and we're suffering.